It's a podcast in book club format. This week we have Sleepaway Camp starting off. My name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And the way we're going to do this thing is we're going to give you a little bit of history. We're going to talk about the plot of the movie. We're going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of some stuff and a spooky meter. And then we're going to say goodbye to you because you're the best person ever. Starting off. Dan, do you have the history of this crazy movie from 1983? Yes, I do have this crazy movie from 1983 called Sleepaway Camp. Hello. Uh, Kyle, I really wish you went more William Shatner with that intro. Just do you you know what movie this is? It had potential. Yeah, well. Yep. It did. And then it lost it. I think my microwave's going off. Um, Are you having a stroke? <laughs> Do you smell toast? Does anyone else smell toast? Does anyone else smell a microwave? Has anyone I'm, seen my cat? I think I'm having a vinegar stroke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of vinegar strokes, the director and writer of Sleepaway Camp... <laughs> Sorry, I almost that, spit on my drink. <laughs> sorry, I did. That's, that's an inside joke. <laughs> uh, is Robert Hilzik. And Robert Hilzik wrote and directed this. And uh, he's also known for writing and directing movies such as Return to Sleepaway Camp, which came out in the late 2000s, and Sleepaway Camp 2, and Toxie Tutu. Toxic Tutu? I, I don't know. Oh, Toxic Tutu. You never heard of Toxic Tutu? Toxic Tutu. Of course I've heard of it. I looked it up. No, Toxic Tutu, it's a very classic movie. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of it, but classic no, movie. No, please do. Please. I'd like to know your details on this. You know how we feel about spoilers. We try not to spoil <laughs> movies here, so. We're trying not to spoil movies. We just like to talk get about into any a lot of details about Toxic Tutu. And let everyone experience it for themselves. Oh. All right. So clearly we need to have a, um, what, what is it? Set seven, seven layers of Kevin Bacon. What was the number? What, what number are we doing? Um, for Toxie Tutu. That, that's seven that's what I'm hearing. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, there we go. So uh, Mike, can you do it off of Diana Prince? I don't know who that is. Great. All righty. <laughs> yeah. All right, I just it wanted does to... have Jake the Snake Roberts in it. So, all right, get there. Oh, WWE royalty and Johnny Fairplay from Survivor fame. So, if you have, Love if Johnny your Fairplay. movie has Johnny Fairplay and Jake the Snake Roberts in 2017, it can never be a bad movie. <laughs> All right. The the budget for Sleepaway Camp was three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the box office was eleven million dollars. Pretty decent haul. Yeah, three fifty to two twenty twenty one is just under a million dollars. So it did pretty fucking good. The yeah, runtime. It was, it was just very much a cult horror movie when it came out. 
is it was a classic like 80s slasher movie that was popular at the time. So that's most likely why it did so well. The runtime for this movie is about 84 minutes. Not a very long movie. It's just under an hour and a half. And other 1983 horror movies that we could have watched were, uh, I, you know, I just went, this was really for Chris, these first two. Uh, we could have watched Cujo. Not really. I, I, you know, I'm going to say these two movies and I just well, picture that. What does that, that have to do with me? Oh, because it's Stephen, Stephen King, King, maybe. Oh, okay. I, guess I, just, I, just, I just heard Cujo. And I was like, the one about the dog? What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, it's Stephen King. That's your thing. I was just imagining Chris as like that Vince McMahon meme where like he's slowly getting hot and he falls out of his chair. Because <laughs> because the next one is Christine. Ooh, 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 two Stephen King. And Chris is just sitting like a dog in a car. A what? <laughs> dog in a car. Chris is going to be thinking about the rest of the podcast. Like, what does a dog in a car have to do with Yeah, me? I don't, he's going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, why did Dan say I like dogs and cars? And also, I, 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 I didn't don't pick know. every single Stephen King movie we've done. <laughs> Wait, have we ever done a Stephen King movie? I don't think so. Jesus I don't think so either. Chris, keep moving. <laughs> and the last one is Videodrome. What? The mm. fuck is that? Yeah, it's a movie. It's a horror movie from 1983. Leave me the fuck alone. Isn't that David (laughs) Lynch? Mike, what does your VHS cabinet tell us about Videodrome? I'm pretty sure Videodrome is David Lynch, and it's very like a head trip of a movie. Do you know who the top, uh, what's the word for it, the top actor in that Mm -hmm. one is? I think it's uh, the guy from Shawshank. It's James Woods. Yeah, it's James Woods. Oh, and uh, it, it's... Did you oh, just confuse Tim Robbins uh, with James Woods? <laughs> I might have. That's exactly what just happened. It's also director David Cronenberg. Cronenberg. You know. From- <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I remember being like a very like... Head you remember being a movie. movie. That's very like cosmic and fucks with your head. That's all I remember from that movie. I, just yeah, like the, the, I remember that movie. This guy directed. No, he didn't. Oh, well, this guy acted in it. No, he didn't. I remember it being a movie from the. I was like the 11 when box, I saw yeah. it. So yeah. that's probably why I don't remember much of it. Like, I'm hearing a lot of excuses. Fair. So I'm going to move on to the filming location. Okay, thank you. After Chris says his, his to be fair. Go ahead. No, I'm done. Nope. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the filming location. Uh, <laughs> filming location for this movie is uh, all takes place in New York. It's Glen Falls, New York, Fort Edwards, New York, Argyle, and Lake Luzerne. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Lake Luzerne. Yeah. Who cares? I, I only know that because my aunt had a house up there when I was a kid. Hmm. I was actually hoping that someone, I, I genuinely was hoping that someone would chime in with the so actual wait, name. Your aunt is up there where they filmed Sleepaway Camp? She had a vacation house in Lake Luzerne. Was it a front for the mob? She had a vacation house <laughs> up by Lake Luzerne. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to ask this next question, so I'm going to do my best. Um, have you ever seen. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Has your aunt ever been in a bathing suit in front of you? Hmm. Has she ever been covered in blood 
Has there been a bulge in said bathing suit? <laughs> is your aunt actually a man on a murderous rampage? Is your aunt actually a man? She had a vacation house in Lake Luzerne. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's time for your favorite part. Everyone's favorite part of the intro. And that is the tag. So our first tag, I don't know how many we have. I just I just copy and paste them. You know, I've stopped even reading them because I want to read them for the first time when I bring them up to you guys. So our first one is you'll go there on a bus and come back in a bag. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't mind that one. All right. We've had worse. Yeah, I, I give think it, that's I pretty give good. It like, worse. Yeah. It's like our, medium. Right. Our usual would have been, you'll go there on a bus. You'll stay <laughs> at this also, camp. You might sleep <laughs> at this camp, but you might also die <laughs> at this camp. And you'll also come home on a bus because that's how travel works. <laughs> Next one. Oh, man. This reads like the hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at sleepaway camp. Huh. All right. Is so that this one is fucking like, tag? No, it's um. I don't uh, remember who sings that song. I thought that I thought you were that was the actual tagline. I was gonna say that's terrible. No, the actual tagline is no. That's a real song, but no, the actual tagline is, uh, "Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at sleepaway camp for almost three weeks now, and I'm getting very scared." Okay, okay. <laughs> that's it. That's the tag. <laughs> okay, go on. Dear mom and dad, okay. I've been dead at sleepaway camp for the last three weeks. I don't know how I wrote this. Letter, <laughs> you should come and watch it. But you can go it. to your local cinema and see sleepaway camp, directed <laughs> by this creepy fuck. Dear mom and dad, the trenches have been difficult recently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's the next one. Straight, I think Sting wrote this one. Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Literally. Hmm. That is not. No, I don't believe you. I don't believe that's a tag. That line. entire fucking monologue. Literally. Oh, awful. I mean, if it was Sting, he would have thrown like something about a message or a bottle at the end of that. I've been watching you. See, but nobody was like scared to death. They were they were stabbed to death. They weren't <laughs> scared to death. They were stabbed before they could be scared half the time. Yep. Here's the next one. The camp's activity for today. Murder. Mm. They could have done better. Cordy. That one wasn't good. Mm. It's just not captivating. It's on message, but it's I don't know. There's one coming up I really like. Um, here's the next one. You won't be coming home. Okay. Um, oh, oh, that's it. Okay. That's it. That's it. That was it for that one. All right. Here's the next one. Summer camp has never been so scary. Please tell me that's the last one. I mean, these are holy bad. shit. These are very bad. No, we, these, we, are the wor- these are we, the worst in recent memory. We started good and we we went downhill very quickly. Um, all right, well we have a couple more. So here's the next one: a nice place for summer vacation. 
a perfect place to die. Hmm. I don't know it's why, but I feel like that one flowed better. It did flow one, nice. Right? It's like an Airbnb review. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a nice place for a summer vacation. A perfect place to die. It sounds good. This, this next one's very uh, Airbnb, too. And this is the one I liked. This place puts the R.I.P. in R&R. That's awful. I Those love that. That, makes, that makes it, <laughs> almost makes it sound like it was for like an action movie. Sense. Let's rest and relaxation. There's no P. <laughs> there's, there's just no P. There's no I and, either. No, there is in relaxation, but <laughs> there's an I in there. I just realized that. Yep. <laughs> I did the work for you. You renounced it, but that's okay. All right. I, and by the I way, I'm not kink shaming. If there's if there's P in R and R, I mean that's up <laughs> I mean, to you. Whatever I mean, you find relaxing. I mean, but. there's usually P in it. Uh-huh. All right, uh, I got one to add to it. Where the oh, only go. sleep you'll get is when you're dead. That, that was pretty good. That one was like better than most of the ones we've heard so far. <laughs> I agree. I do agree. By a little. I'll give it. Yeah, I'll give yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's meant to be garbage. Don't worry. Well, I, I have, uh, I have one more for you, uh, and it's a simple comparison. Carrie meets Friday the Thirteenth. I like this one because it's like I don't, you know, I really like Carrie and Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if I would like this movie. And it's like the poster comes out, and it's just like bada bing, bada boom. You know, I what? should go see the movie. Yeah. Oh, there's one more here too. So come on down to Sleepaway Camp, where there is a weenie roast. <laughs> Shut up, boo. Shut up right now. Why? <laughs> come on down to Sleepaway Camp. Get your gabagool and get in your hat sack. Get, get in your nap sack. Get in your hat sack. Get in What's your a hat sack? sack? <laughs> I remember my parents right, used to send me to sleepaway camp with my hat sack. Oh, God. That's so <laughs> that is the worst. All the kids used to make fun of my hat sack. Yeah, they did just you? wore their hats on their heads. They didn't have a whole sack for their hats. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys have fanny packs? I'm no. Not, I'm not there's Joe Rogan. nothing wrong with fanny packs. Fanny packs <laughs> I had a cool fanny now. pack. I had a fanny pack. Yeah, they weren't cool then. They're cool again. Now. I will I will excuse Jarvis's fanny pack because he's a dad. Dan, I do not excuse your fanny pack. <laughs> I was seven. But you weren't a dad. Jarvis has always been a dad. <laughs> the only I, per- the only I had imaginary wear- friends and they were my children. Thank you very much. Did I they mean, fit in the knows. fanny pack? No, yes, when I wanted them packs. to. <laughs> well, everybody knows like imaginary friends clothing notoriously has no pockets so that's why you needed a fanny pack to carry all their like <laughs> cell phones and car keys mm-hmm. cell phone i feel like we could dissect whatever that fucking thing was <laughs> for hours you want to do that just dissect whatever that- this movie was all right well no. I feel like we should absolutely get to the goddamn movie. Yeah. All right. Well, I got one more thing for you guys. So, as always, every week we do a death clock uh, to say what the first death in a movie was. And boy, howdy, there were a lot of deaths in this movie. But our first one comes at five minutes and 47 seconds when the boat, 
decides to d- go airborne and uh, knock the guy out and no one saves him. And that's that's when it happens. Hmm. Yeah, boat kills that man. It was the boat the whole time. Oh my god, she was a boat the whole time. <laughs> I'm a boat to leave this. Let's go. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Whoever wants it, just take I'm throwing it on the ground. Just pick it up if you want it. I don't care. Oh, I know who has to pick it up. All right, boys. Let's have it. Let's have a chat. Because I let's. I typically gauge yeah, yeah, let's. I typically choose my films uh based like i watch a lot of horror films but you when you really really start like when we started this podcast i realized just how few i've seen by comparison for a lot of for a lot of real diehard horror fans and sleepaway camp unfortunately was not on the watched column uh of my of my picks so i was very excited to watch this film but the first question i need to ask us as a group is do you think it's flattering to devote a movie filled with like teenage titties and like murder to your dead mother? No, probably not. Um, yeah. The movie starts off pretty strong with that, huh? No, it did. Yeah, no, it was, it was like a weird tone to set. It was like, you know, this is dedicated to mom and like, you know, as a director, like I get that 100%. I think that's great. Like this is one of like the most significant accomplishments you can ever have in your lifetime dedicated to your mom. But then it's like titties and fucking like just absolute debauchery. This movie is a fucking experience. And what he did in the movie, too. And you're dedicating that to your mother. Mm -hmm. Strange aesthetic choices. Did he not like his mother? (laughs) Going by possibly the knowledge that the director is the head chef in this movie, dedicating this type of movie to your deceased mother is not as shocking. If that makes sense. I'm I'm sure it will. I don't we'll, we'll get there. Anywho, all right, let's start this thing off, right? We're going to keep it pretty succinct because this movie, this this is a movie just born and bred for the 80s, right? The substance is 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 kind of thin, right? So what I, what I do love is the cinematography and the and the audio. I mean, they, they go together be- go together beautifully in the beginning. I I love this like weird kind of sinister bass tone against like all of these beautiful autumn colors. Like, yes, this is a summer camp, but like just it's very picturesque against this like brooding sort of like bass tone across across the next few scenes. It almost gets to be a little much, but we're what we're doing is we're like we're kind of taking a tour of the camp, um, but we're getting the audio of like past camp um, moments and, and past campers. Um, but, but, but it like throughout the scene, like the base maintains that same tenacity the full way through. Yeah, I completely agree. It kind of has like that almost, um, <clears throat> you remember like in old Looney Tunes, if you guys watched it and they would always open up like, well, not always, but they would periodically open up with like this beautiful scenery and like, it's like, like they would open up with that. It's like very beautiful and very peaceful and like sets like a nice tone 
before it like comes crashing down. Yes. That's- yes, absolutely. You did immediately know it was the eighties in this opening montage with the, just the panning shots sweeping the camp. Yeah. And, and I also wanted to say on that, like I agree with uh, completely with what you just said, Mike and what Jarvis was saying initially with uh, the shots that we get in it. It's very eighties. It's like a beautiful thing to look back on eighties movies and see that the way they're shot with these slashers and this like just checks the boxes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first scene, um, once we get into it, right, it depicts sort of this father, um, this this father with his son and his daughter. They're enjoying the lake. Um, you know, it. it's a pretty typical scene, right? Like, the you know, it's just a family outing on the lake. Um, however, after an accident occurs, uh, a speedboat runs over one of uh, the members of the family swimming in the lake. It's it's either the son or the daughter. We don't get a very good look over exactly which one it is. Um, but it also it's the father, and the father is actually seen floating face down in his own life vest. Ass up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it, I was going to say. <laughs> That's my credo. No regrets. <laughs> Not even one. The boat did like definitely ruin those people's day out on the lake. Like even when this whole scene, I was when the dad started talking, I said to myself, "Hey, this is like dad. He's not that great of an actor." Then when the guy on the shoreline was like reacting to the boat, comes like, hey, that he's not a good actor either." And then we see the couple on the boat that was like driving the boat that hit him. It's like, oh, none of these people are like believable as human <laughs> beings or have ever talked to each other before. I I love the the scene where she's like, "Here, can I please drive the boat?" And he's like, "No, I'll." I, I don't know why, but I just imagine with the Kermit the Frog kind of voice. He's like, "No, I'll, I'll lose my job if I do that." And she's like, "Oh, come <laughs> on, please!" And he's like, oh, "Okay." And like he just kind of moves over for her, and he's like, "Yeah, you can you can drive the boat if you want." <laughs> like all she had to do was say, "Please." Like I don't know, it's just like stupid funny. It was, lazy writing and it was just uh, it was funny yeah and she immediately killed two people with the boat so <laughs> this script the script was written for muppets i couldn't agree more dan like, it's, it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> who the fuck talks like these people i want to watch a, a muppets Muppet version remake? of this yes amazing wait, wait is the swedish does the swedish fe- mm-hmm. chef have to play the chef in this like the chef. The rapist. <laughs> the rapist <laughs> chef. Yeah. Hey, even better. <laughs> even better. Gonzo is Angela. And Gonzo's nose is also... <laughs> Never mind. We'll get there. <laughs> I get it. I don't get it. So, yes. So, uh, after the accident, um, you know, the dad's face... or. Uh, floating face down and all you see is one of the life vests that was clearly worn by one of the children and you see it floating on the surface of the water and it's completely mangled but you don't see which kid it is now to the next scene uh we see what we assume are the children's mother um and she this scene is fucking weird man she acts and kind of looks like snow white but with like a lithium dependency and she sends them off to camp with their bag lunch and their physicals and I'm sure that won't be important for later. Have fun at camp. Here's your lunch and your lithium. 
Dude, I love the aunt in this movie. She is by far the best actress because she overacts everything she says. No, no, I, mean, I don't that, think she does, actually. I think that was the point of the <laughs> show. She was clearly insane with the little glimpse yes. of a look we yes. get into her. No, no, I don't think that's why. <laughs> I I liked her a lot. Yeah, she was great. And I, I showed... Um, I showed Carmela a quick, just that scene at the very beginning. She was like, oh, when's this movie from? Like the 50s? I was like, how about the 80s? <laughs> uh, it, she was ridiculous and, and funny and overacting. But yeah, she was the best actor. Yeah, to be sending these two kids to summer camp with a piece of paper and a little like sack for a whole summer, it, it seemed like they were packing off a light. I think summer camp's usually like a week. Is that not correct? Yeah, it's like nine to nine oh, to twelve. It's typically, weeks. like a yeah. Some go the whole summer. Some never come back. Oh, they come back in a body <laughs> bag <laughs> or in a hat. You, you wanna? You guys want? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody else like seen these like things online for like adult summer camps? I wouldn't trust anybody that would want to go to an adult summer camp. Is that a thing? Do you, do you want to go to one? That's do you guys want to go to one? It's a thing, and I don't trust anybody, that adult, that would want to go to a summer camp with other adults. No. I mean, I'll they bunk with you. I'll, go. I'll, I'll bunk with you. Yeah, I, I want to go. go. Can we all bunk oh, together? Can we find one can that we... has, like, carolers during Christmas time and we can bring Mike? Oh, that would be amazing. Nope. During a summer camp? Uh, Christmas yes, in July? summer carols. Well, Jarvis, if autumn colors can happen during summer, then damn it, we can have Christmas carolers. <laughs> well, guys, you're in luck. They're in New York. There is a place called Camp No Counselors. And here it's an all-inclusive premium adult summer camp experience in New York. 2022 dates are coming soon. I have no idea how much it costs, but you will get to experience a two-hour drive from Manhattan and Albany and... Um, I can't think of anything I want to do less <laughs> than go to a summer camp with a bunch of other like 30 somethings. I thought they you were going to say, I can't. guys, guys, they have all the, like the rooms are bunk rooms. It's like bunk beds and like, it's a whole barracks. Oh, Marketing man, for orgies has become right? a lot, a lot more fucking cavalier. That's all I have yeah. to say about that. Hey, you trying to fuck random people? Sure. Boy, am I? Are the bunks co-ed question mark as the top FAQ only if you come as a mixed group and request a bunk together or if you're a couple? I usually do come as a mixed group. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're Number, a throuple. Numbers come may vary. <laughs> what sounds um, fun about that? There's nothing that sounds fun about that. Mike's very upset about this idea. <laughs> Mike, if you want to go, we said we'd go. Calm no, down. I'm, I don't make many st- like we'll hard stances you. here. This is one of my hard stances. Oh my god! Andy like if it's a money like, thing, we'll pay for it. Don't yeah, worry. Man, we got you, dude. We Guys, got you. <laughs> can I get a ballpark of how much this costs? I'm gonna go with. Uh, I can I ask it's, if it's you if you pay like daily, like it's like you pay like X amount per night or whatever. No, no, it's uh, it's so it's eight, nine, ten, 11. it's like three nights, four days. Uh, one thousand to fifteen hundred, somewhere around there. That's I'm gonna go 800. like eighteen hundred to two thousand. Wow, you no, are I'm gonna, I'm gonna go prices, is, prices right, stretch one dollar. 
1801. <laughs> <laughs> a regular ticket is $750 per person. Fuck! Oh. Mike got it! <laughs> oh, Mike got us. <laughs> Mike, you're a piece of shit. God it, damn it. It is all-inclusive all alcohol accommodation epic nightly theme parties that sex delicious that's meals it. and of course all of your favorite classic <laughs> camp activities like delicious sex. meals that's also sex <laughs> do you think if you go during Wild. halloween that they like have like special horror themed ones where they to. try to kill you they have to where is this it's two hours from manhattan yeah that's anywhere that's me <laughs> it's right it's anywhere. You, it's like Des Moines, not like two hours. Well, sure. Yeah, I was about to be like, oh my god, same in Podunk, <laughs> fucking Florida. <laughs> I cannot find an address where this is. It's definitely in a sex cult. While this is really fun to go down this rabbit hole, and I'm really enjoying it, I feel like we need to get back on track, or we're never. Yeah, yeah I think we need to. We need to finish this fucking movie. So now that we've met the ant, and by the way, I don't remember. Did, did they address her as the ant in the beginning? Did I miss it? It's, I it's thought it was their mom. Something. I, think it's impl- I don't okay. remember if it's implied uh, or not, but. Right. I, I think the implication is purposely there to sort of like, you know, keep us off the trail of, of the big reveal at the end. But anyway, pr- now we're in present day of Camp Arawak. Camp Arawak is the setting of Sleepaway Camp. Camp Arawak is sleepaway camp um and it is very much open for business with some of the absolute worst employees ever can we be real there's the one good employee the guy who wears those really short shorts who's like genuinely caring about the kids and wants to help them oh that's right oh, the dude who's jacked, jacked? Yeah. yeah yeah ronnie's the best yeah, okay. he was like in the the 2000 something sleepaway camp. He was like, now he owned the camp and it was actually a pretty decent movie. He's amazing. I, I loved Ronnie. Ronnie was great. He was like super helpful. He saw kids were in distress. He would like go over and help them. He was approachable. He was great. I loved Ronnie. Everyone else sucked. Yeah, but one person sucked, especially more than everybody else. Dude, it opened up with like comedically a bad person he's like look how bold they are down below i saw this movie a long time ago and i had no recollection of it being so openly like predatory that is the perfect word for it like i don't think there was a lake before he saw the kids and like his drool just created the lake like that's that, that that was yeah that was bad man so Dan is, of course, uh, referring to Robert Hilzik, who actually plays uh, the head chef in the, the first half of the movie. And um, he, he, is a, he is a real character. He is one worth talking about um, because this is Angela's first time at camp. Angela is our, our main character. Um, her first time at camp, she's there with her cousin Ricky. She won't eat. Um, and actually, sort of, sort of like an olive branch, trying to get her sort of acclimated to the camp. Um, what, what what's Jack dude's name again? Ronnie. Ronnie. God, Ronnie's awesome. He's trying to kind of acclimate her to the camp, but what he does inadvertently is actually put her in grave danger uh, because he asked the chef to take her into the walk-in and try to find her something to eat. And uh, we witness what is unquestionably an attempted assault and rape. 
That's why you should never trust anyone with a goatee. Because a goatee is like a very bold facial hair choice. I mean, you could be clean shaven. That's fine. With a full beard. That's fine. Mustaches. Mustaches are a case-by-case basis. Good mu- good mustache like Ron Swanson or Tom Selleck. Bad mustache. You got Hulk Hogan. You got Hitler. A lot of bad mustaches in there. But goatee, goatee's always bad. I don't I don't mean to poke holes in your theory of that, but um I just to bring it back, um Garth Brooks has a goatee and he he's a he's a national treasure. Goatee's always bad. Garth Brooks is a horrible person. <laughs> Garth you Brooks leave. does some fucked up you things. You leave. <laughs> you leave our Garth Brooks I mean, he fan needs, cast. He needs a secret identity. Chris Gaines, <laughs> if you need a secret identity. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I think Chris Gaines might have a goatee, bad person. If you have a secret identity, you're automatically also a bad person. <laughs> what about, wait, what about Robert Downing Jr.? Bad person. He was a very bad person. <laughs> okay, hold on. Was here's here's tense. the dilemma. Uh, goatee or soul patch? Which one's worse? Soul patch, no question. Soul patch, 100%. all all yeah. of it, all of it. I think, so, I think soul patch is worse than goatee. Chris- a soul patch can be a camp counselor, a church leader, and a rapist simultaneously. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> Didn't Normally, it? two of those things go hand in hand. I'll let you fill in which two. You could pick any two, really. Didn't Chris Angel have a soul patch? Chris Angel's a terrible person, too. <laughs> yeah. We're making a lot of strong points here right now. Okay. I mean, Chris Angel, magician. Magician, again, bad person. Automatically, without question. Uh, Chris Angel was like in his 40s, dressing like a 16-year-old that got a Hot Topic gift card for his birthday. Chris Angel, bad person. Mike, did you have a goatee at one point? I never had a goatee. Why do I feel like I vaguely remember you having a goatee at one point? Like, Didn't, around the time didn't your brother have a goatee? My brother's gone through very many <laughs> oh. facial choices. Uh-oh. <laughs> And our listeners will remember that Mike has a twin brother, so there's really no earthly way that we could possibly tell them apart. <laughs> so it's as if Mike had a goatee. So Mike, explain yourself. My razor ran out of battery and I couldn't charge it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun way of saying you're a hooligan. <laughs> yeah, a hooligan. All right, my, I mean, for the love of God, I'm I'm going to try to get through this. You just want to like right. just scream it, like just do like one little noise of just like ah, all right, and I did the whole movie. You know, there is one thing that I want to point out about um, Ronnie, aka Budget Adam Driver, that I that um, kind of bothered me. You know, I was a little intrigued by it, but but it, it did kind of bother me. And it was his massive package that was just like hanging out all over the place, everywhere. It's- Centered in every shot. Every shot. Yeah, no, it's all dick and balls. Every every shot Ronnie's in, dick and balls. <laughs> like he walks up to the kids like, hey guys, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, that's what just shorts were for in the 80s, just to showcase your dick and balls. And he's got that classic WCW sort of physique too. He does. So you know, you know he's Roy now. 
So, like, that was prosthetic in some way, shape, or form. All right, so we're going to move forward. Um, you know, what? what is fun about this, right? I, I won't say good, I won't say bad, but what is fun and, and what is so relatable to 80s horror specifically is sort of like you meet a character, you see their worst qualities, and immediately they get their their comeuppance, right? So let's let's talk the chef, who, again, is the director, Rob Hilzik. Um, he's cooking... Uh, the dinner for the entire camp in, in a large, large, large pot. He has to get up on a step stool or a, or a chair to to stir it. And as that's happening, all the cook staff move out. And the killer, who is in first person camera view, um, goes in there and moves the chair and essentially just puts him in a situation where he is forced to sort of hang over the giant pot until he has to essentially fall to the right or the left and the boiling pot of soup falls all over him and he is burned almost entirely and old ben who is a great character is now the head chef what did you just call him a great character this man this pedophile i've never been more insulted in my life this pedophile dude is like First thing he says is, man, I love them young. They're all bald below. And no, I said, I said, Ben is like, you ain't right there, man. (laughs) And like, yeah, okay, yeah, you you have something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. At best, he's an enabler. He's a pedophile (laughs) enabler. That man is like, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, he was like, you're too young. I don't understand it. And, he, and then the other guy's like, I like him. Young. <laughs> and I was like, get the fuck. He's, so he's like, gross. wait, you didn't understand me? I like to fuck him young. And he's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> that is the worst kind of enabler. It borders on the impossibly cringy for a lot of them. Like th- throughout the entire movie, there oh, are yeah, parts that sure. you're just like, what in the fuck, man? Yeah, I mean, this movie does fall into the... The trap of characters being comically evil. It's like, oh, it's, this person just—this right, right. person's just so horrible and just so outward about it that they don't seem like a real person. I did like—I did like old Ben's um, response when he found out that he got burned. Though, like, he did a full one eighty. He was like, he was like, "Hey, I'll pay you more," and he's like, "Hot damn, a promotion." <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. Just throw some people a little bit of money and they keep their mouth shut. Everybody has a price. Yeah, everybody has a price. Everybody has a price. Some people don't want to have their legs broken, you know? Some people, some people, it's a hot piece of gava goo. Yeah, some, some people, they, they find just, themselves sleeping with the fishes. Some they have an accident. If you're old Ben, it's $200 more every paycheck. I'll take that. <laughs> I take five like percent off way, on the points. That was like the way Mike said. Everybody's got a price. I feel like you, you wanted to do, do something really like socially charged there, but he fucking backed out last minute, which, <laughs> no, is, not, which is such a Mike strategy. No, do, you, do, do you does you people not have a price about what you keep your mouth shut for? You people, what do you, what mean, do you mean, you, you people? people? <laughs> I'm done. I think I think Mike has left the chat. well now moving forward now we're actually you know we're getting to experience the campers right and 
we'll note that 1983 youth was alive and well, and it took the form of children performing the atomic sit-up uh, with the resident nerd in the uh, in the sleeping quarters. The atomic sit-up, of course, <laughs> is when uh, your buddies convince you to try to do a sit-up with like a rag or something over your head, right, to prove your core strength and your body strength. But it's really just your buddy bare-assed over top of you so your nose goes deep into their asshole. Now, everybody knows and you can't do a it, sit-up with your eyes closed. Yeah, everybody knows that. You should, you should, you should try it. Just do a sit-up with your eyes closed. <laughs> but wait till Only I come at, over. Wait till I come over. Only at Mike's uh, no counselor thing where he's the the camp counselor yeah, you you go to your no counselor camp with a bunch <laughs> of other 30 year olds and do the atomic sit up to somebody i feel i feel like there's a ton of noses and assholes in that adult camp <laughs> camp counselorless camp oh there's something i mean it might be noses it might be something else you don't know because <laughs> the answer to the first question somebody had is a co-ed in the door in can, the cabin says it's basically can we fuck it's like <laughs> oh no it's not co-ed cabins but Unless the you answer to your question me. can we fuck it's still not a no he he <laughs> never asked can want. we f-? he never it wasn't can we fuck it was what type of jammies do i bring how revealing <laughs> can i be it's gonna be a bunch of nerds and onesies with the butt flap open at all times. Nerds and onesies. But there there is a lot of um there is a lot of homoerotic type of actions going on, which is like pretty common, I think, with adolescents, especially boys. Like we get this um we have this moment, we have this um game of baseball, which I dubbed to be the most homoerotic game of baseball I've ever seen. Yeah. Um and it also lasted way too long on film. It was like the director it was like, did. I got to pad this, so let's put a full baseball game in this. How about that? It was like an eight-minute baseball game. Yeah, it's a long baseball game. What's crazy no, but, is... Yeah, no, it was. Every baseball game is too long. I Every baseball game. Yes, thank you, Kyle. You want to try that again, Kyle? Or no, Every baseball game is too long. I agree with that. Oh. Oh, okay. Hey, on on that note, why don't you go get fucked and never come back? <laughs> I, I'm no, with him too. No, baseball's too long. Any sport baseball's would, too long. There's no clock. It just it ends when it ends. <laughs> Dude, I'll fucking clock you. No one talks shit about baseball. Okay. I, look, it was more entertaining than watching the Phillies play for sure, but Shut the <laughs> fuck up. This kid hit a triple into the gap, all right? Uh, the kid, like, and, and by the way, these kids had some awesome shit talking, man. They were just like, eat shit and die. And the other kid's like, eat shit and live. Fuck you. I was like, this is good. That, that is the most adult thing you could say to somebody is like, dying would be too easy for you. You got to keep on living. <laughs> not only do i want you to eat shit but i want you to eat shit and continue living knowing that you ate shit it was surprisingly mature <laughs> like yeah this is the worst thing that could happen to you you saying that it was surprisingly mature and like we're talking about all these arguments and everything that brings up one of my huge issues with this movie which is that no one is this mean Everyone is the meanest people ever. I swear, Tiff and I watched this uh, a year ago, and when we watched it, we stopped, and Tiff was like, I-, I need to go for a walk. That made me really anxious because everyone's just so angry 
everyone. It's the 80s comically evil character syndrome. <sighs> Man, it's it's rough. Like it's really rough. It's it's um Yeah. They don't make the villains hard to find, right? Anytime you go back, you go back and look at read old comic books, you know, watch old movies. The villains are never difficult to define, you know? And and, and nowadays that's it's just not the truth anymore, you know? Like so many of these characters were evil and like mean. There was not really many good people. I think it was Ronnie and the cousin, Ricky, were the only two good people in the movie. Yeah, I would I would I would say. Um and the one female counselor, she did look out for uh, Angela acknowledging that like she, she may have like a learning disability or there may be something wrong there, like emotionally. So um, there was that one female counselor. I don't remember her name. Uh, Susie. It's Susie. That's it. Because <laughs> I, yes. wrote down, I wrote down the one scene where she's like, I'm Meg. M-E-G. This is Susie. S-U-Z-Y. That's the only reason I, I remember that. How else would you spell Meg? <laughs> it says Meg. M-Q-Q-R-P-T. Z G G with two G's. <laughs> yeah, man. But really, I, I mean, so like all these scenes, right? Uh, all of these comically villainous scenes that the '80s is so well known for. But w- really, what it does, it, it it establishes this click rivalry. It's sort of a subplot within the movie. So these same dick kids are the ones that are bullying Angela at the sort of the the camp social, you know, the dance. Um, I never went to camp. I, 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 I guess they probably did have dances. But Judy stares on menacingly as Paul establishes a connection with Angela, who, by the way, during the scene speaks for the first time. Judy, of course, is the girl that... Um, Ricky hooked up with last summer and now she has developed as a as a young woman. And you know she's Judy because she has her name Judy on her shirt. And anybody that has their name printed on their own shirt is a garbage person. So you already know she's garbage. So a lot of indicators in this movie. To be fair though, she was probably the only character whose name I actually remembered. What about Meg, M-E-G? No, what no. about Meg? Nope, Judy. There's a Q in there. shirt or else I don't remember it. <laughs> There's a Q in there. I got to tell you, man, it, it, it's very difficult to like just kind of like fluidly talk about every scene in this movie because it jumps. It jumps like so unceremoniously from one to another because the next scene we have after the social is... What I what I dub as the homoerotic doc scene, where all of the guys from the camp um, want to go skinny dipping with the girls, and the girls aren't having it, so the boys go without, and it is like the most toxically eighties thing I've ever seen. Well, naturally, if the girls want to go skinny dipping with me, and we were all together, I'd be like, "Come on, guys, let's get naked together and go." Nice dick, Brad. <laughs> Here, let me grab it for you. There was just so many pale white butts. 
Just so many pale butts. Hey, man, I don't want to be weird about this, but Jack, you have really good pubes. <laughs> but that all goes back to what, what I was saying earlier, right? There's like a lot of homoerotic tension in this movie. It's just like really like weaved into the story. We haven't even touched the surface of that yet. Of I mean, that, that butt. Of the, dude, that butt hasn't even been fucking spanked yet. <laughs> I mean, the, it's still really, pale as the moon, baby. <laughs> the homophobic, the transphobic undertones of this movie are fucking palpable. But like, we're not even there yet. So, uh, one of the, one of the f- first real graphic deaths of the movie, I think. Actually, I I think this is really the first death of the movie, right? The first like clear death um, follows after a canoe ride um, with the same guys who are skinny dipping. Um, the can- uh, you know, canoe tips. Uh, old boy was trying to get some get some action with one of the girls who actually agreed to go out on the canoe. She swam away. Old boy's under the canoe, and all of a sudden, the killer appears under the canoe, out of view of the audience, and the next morning, um, the boy is found under the canoe that has washed ashore, and it was pretty decent effects. Um, He looked pretty fucked up. Yeah, I will say, as much as, you know, this movie isn't great, some of the effects for these kills were pretty good. I think this is what leads it to being a like quote unquote classic, if not a um, cult classic. Is right. that the special effects are very, very good. Uh, the the scene earlier with the the melted cook that did already happen, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, that I it stayed there for a long time, but all these have, have been very good. So yeah, I love them. Keep them coming. I completely agree. Um, um, and and not to undertone what you're saying because I love the look of the boils and I love the look of what the kid looked like like after he washed ashore being I believe that he was kind of bloated it was a couple of weeks ago that I watched that at this point of recording um, but I, I do love the way that he looks but I really feel like we need a like tracker for whenever we bring up piss poor cops um, because we had a piss poor cop in the scene with that cop who's just like explaining that, you know, he, he can't do anything about it. Like, he's just like, I can't do anything about it, you know? And it's just like, what are you doing? What, what is it you say you do then, sir? Because if you're not going to solve this mystery of who's being murdered and the dead kids, then who's going to do it? I'll let that linger for a little while. <laughs> let that marinate with you. Thank you. Think about oh, it. I think it's, I think it's, uh, officer Dewey. It is Dewey. <laughs> no, Dewey's the best cop. Exactly. Know. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we just need officer Dewey in these movies. Yeah. He can't die. The invulnerable cop. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Dewey would have been able to solve that? I think Dewey would have been a better cop. And you know what? I, I I didn't write this down, but I remember that cop got on his. Oh wait, no, wait, no, that's Friday the Thirteenth. Nope. See, there's you so, are absolutely thinking of the Friday the Thirteenth cop. No, 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 no. This cop sucked. This cop was like, I can't do anything about your dead kids. I'm gonna go now. 
And like, but I'm thinking of the scene in Friday the 13th where the cop got on his motorcycle and yes. he just rode into the woods and into the water and was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I think we can all agree that whoever is running this camp just straight up does not understand liability coverage. Like at all. Yeah, they let their umbrella <laughs> insurance just lapse and they're just hanging out. They're like, uh, just don't just pay the police officers instead. Like, let's just <laughs> give him an extra fifty dollars on his next paycheck. He'll keep his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we got the trifecta. So we got this team, the, the guy from uh Friday the thirteenth, and then we got the police from Black Christmas. Oh they all my get God. together and they literally cannot figure anything out. <laughs> it's the o- officer Krupke trio over here jesus christ dude even worse than the cops are some of these camp counselors right the first and foremost of course is meg right we've talked about meg a little bit um now she has she has a previous relationship with judy judy is one of the the campers her and meg are close and sort of like on command from judy meg will just needlessly berate angela uh, sort of at Judy's behest. And she leaves to go see Ricky, uh, who's at the boys' cabin where the boys are having a balloon war on the roof, you know, obviously. As you do. Mm-hmm. Again, very homoerotic. Right. But I, 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 I so th- this scene happens a lot, right? It, like it takes the form of different scenes, but like the, the core of what what is happening happens over and over in terms of like Judy is mad at Angela. So she gets Meg to go physically or, you know, verbally or mentally assault Angela. And then Angela goes elsewhere and there's just some other kooky shit happening elsewhere in camp. Yeah, I think it's just setting the tone that for the sleepaway camp that there's not much supervision. So these kids pretty much do whatever they want. And there's nobody to stop them from just targeting Angela because she's different. Right. Well, yeah, there's no one to stop them from targeting her, but there is someone to stop them from breathing. Um, And that that person, uh, (laughs) that person decided Billy, who is kind of one like I, I would say he's the He's the lead patron of the shitty kid club. Um, but he gets but, taken out with a beehive in a bathroom stall. What's the name of the character again? Billy. 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 Oh, no. Why did I? Oh, fuck. Oh, oh Billy. Oh, why? Billy. Yeah, Billy's beehole really <laughs> was bad. No. Really stung. No. His beehole was really stinging. Oh, God. It's good. Yeah, it's good. You got to be careful of your bee hole because, you know, when your bee hole stings, it just never stops stinging until there you, you die. Yep. There you go. That's it. That's, that's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Man, my bee hole is stinging. I took a shower and everything. Uh-oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand you any of you all of you is this i think we're close to like our 50th episode i want to say if we're not already there and i mean we're still still doing the billy thing mm-hmm. yeah, don't be a b-hole about it 
Well, hey, Paul makes a move to get to second base with Angela, right? We're getting kind of toward the end of the movie, right? So a lot of things sort of start happening in rapid succession of one another. So Paul makes his move. Um, Paul, of course, is the one who sort of already established this relationship with Angela. She's the only person that, uh, or I'm sorry, he's the only person that she'll talk to. Um, But during this scene, right, this is where we get that really critical flashback. Um, and she envisions her dad with um, the guy who is uncle something or other from the beginning of the movie on the beach um, before the boat ran them over. And she actually also during this period of time. So first of all, um, her dad is clearly in a sexual relationship with that other gentleman who is uh, referred to as uncle something or other in the beginning. And she also remembers very distinctly kind of discussing, and, and there's no, there's no uh, verbiage in this scene either. It's just kind of uh, the audience can see through visual cues that they're discussing sort of like gender exchange between uh, what we assume is Ricky and Angela. That's the take I got from it too. But I wasn't sure. Right. It's it's gender normativity that is sort of like central to the, the plot of the film. Yeah, that is true. Nothing else, huh? I, I just don't want to dig too deep into this aspect of it until the end when it's revealed. The thing, the big reveal. Okay, yeah. I'm ju- I'm just kind of digesting what you were saying. That's that's all. I was I was listening to you. I just don't really have anything to add because I didn't really think of it from that person, like this part from that because I didn't hear that. So I do have a lot of thoughts on the ending, but sure, this part. Okay, I didn't think about it like that. So that was interesting. Yeah. So. De- definitely an interesting scene. All right. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about sort of the uh, the considerations thereafter uh, at the end. Uh, but Meg, our favorite camp counselor, continues to verbally and physically assault Angela um, right up until she gets stabbed through a shower wall in preparation uh, for a date with the I, I think he's the camp owner. Yeah, the 80 year old camp owner. Not really yeah. 80, but, you know. 75. The point is the hair. So, uh, Meg's dead, which is fun. I think that's, I think that's fun for the whole family. Everyone wanted to see Meg die horribly. So do I. Um, but this whole time, this old guy was going, he was like, has anybody seen Meg going around looking for her? And then he was like, yeah, have a date with her. She's supposed to come to my room and we're supposed to have a date. He's just like so open about this. Like all these old dudes are so open about liking young girls and it's kind of like unsettling and nobody questions it. it's like yeah i think i saw meg like 20 minutes ago she was taking a shower old man so go take your old man self to go find her for your date yeah together. go into the bathroom it's frighteningly casual no you're absolutely right no like the, the whole command climate of this fucking camp is horrifying it's so toxic he knew that chef was fucking weird but he didn't care because he's being fucking weird. 
I got the feeling that she was at least um, 18. So I wasn't as freaked out about this one, but I did think the age discrepancy was definitely something where I like kind of raised my eyebrows. Like, wait, what? Like, what? Sure. Is this, I mean, it's clearly an abuse of power that's going on here. Like, I don't, I don't know, but then it kind of seems consensual. I don't know. I'm like running through a train of consciousness as I'm like thinking about this. I I don't know. I really didn't know how to think about it. Right. I I think it's purposely so, but I mean, either way, like she is, she's, she's a returning character, right? For that camp. So she's been there probably even before she was a camp counselor, right? So it it probably, what they're alluding to is we're establishing sort of like this idea that he may have been preying on her for a while, but, and, and what's crazy is that that's not even like one of the overarching themes to this movie. It's, it's weird how casual they just sort of fit this, like these weird relationships into the background. Anywho. So next up, next up on our schwacked list is Judy who, uh, who gets killed by Angela uh, who purposely looks like Ricky this time. Um, and she is killed with a hair curler. Now, I apologize if I'm giving too much away. And first of all, you should never listen to our podcast without watching the movie. All right, spoiler. This is not a spoiler-free review. Um, Angela it purposely is made out to look like Ricky to confuse the audience in this scenario. Because they're trying to say, oh, Ricky's the one that's been doing this because everybody's so mean to Angela. And he, this whole movie, he's been the only one of the only people that like defends and protects Angela. So they would have you believe that this is him continuing to protect her, but going to the measures of killing all these people. So this is really where the big unraveling begins, right? Because like a bunch more kids are killed. Um, they're like stabbed through their sleeping bags. And I believe Mr. Mel is actually, uh, the guy that we were trying to talk about. Um, he's the one who thinks all of this is Ricky. He very quickly attributes all of the craziness that's happening, uh, to Ricky. Um, so he immediately blames him and starts literally beating the actual shit out of Ricky. Um, however, sometime I think directly after this, Mel looks back uh, and sees who the killer really is and gets an arrow to the throat. Yo, good shot. A very good shot. That was really Fantastic. good. And I, this is always like a, a funny scene to me in these types of horror movies where like you get the reaction of somebody who's just about to be killed and like, oh, it's you? It's been you this whole time? It's like Clue. And they immediately die. It's you, the person. I could say your name, but I just don't have time. But you, it's you, standing there, walking <gasps> towards you! me with that knife. <laughs> it was you, with the candlestick, in the kitchen. I knew it all along. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, now, we're really Wait, starting Jarvis, to pick up did you did you make it to that, to that adult camp or something? I heard you going, oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> get it because penis dan (laughs) you know in past episodes you made it very clear that if there's one thing you don't do it's kink shame i'm not kink shaming i was just asking if you made it there because i was gonna come too i was that's all were you going to come too? maybe if you want me to (laughs) 
<laughs> this podcast is yeah, so I was gonna say, and, it's out of control. And you criticize the homoeroticism of this movie and these 80s movies when this whole episode and most of these episodes have been littered, littered with homoeroticness. Who said, I'm criticizing oh. it. I like that you pan into the camera. Like, like I feel like your teeth you can, are almost you touching. Can see, you can just see my eyes just looking at the camera when I say that, right? Yes. Because <laughs> I was. That- I looked right at the computer. I was like, who said? I'm King <laughs> <laughs> So this is really where things start to pick up speed, right? So Paul, again, Paul, this is another one of those final girl sort of movies. It's it's not, it doesn't follow the same formula, but all of the characters are sort of throwaway characters. None of their names matter. So I'll take the time to remind you, Paul is the one who is trying to make sort of that connection with Angela. He is a very good friend of Ricky's and he has really been trying to seal the deal with Angela. He really likes her. So at her request... Paul agrees to go skinny dipping with Angela and Angela actually has had like a very adversarial kind of uh, take on going into the water at all. Uh, But she actually asked Paul to go skinny dipping with her. So he is like, fuck yeah, let's do this. So skipping ahead a little bit, the big reveal culminates with a, (laughs) with Angela on the beach, petting Paul's head. In fact, Angela stands up and shows that Paul's head is, in fact, disembodied. She holds Paul's head, um, and we see Peter, not Angela, but Peter is the one who survived the accident, the boat accident in the beginning of the film. Um, and the lunatic aunt insisted after she took her or Peter in that uh, Peter would be a girl. And it ends on this really, really fucking crazy sort of poorly spliced scene of a naked Peter slash Angela standing dick exposed, holding a knife and uh, uh, Paul's severed head. And it sort of just I, I don't even know how to explain that ending in terms of how it is edited, but it sort of just fades out and the movie ends. Yeah, this is like a very like iconic scene in like horror history just angel's like guttural like animalistic noise with the staring oh, off into so space terrifying just covered in blood it was just that shot was like burned into my memory of this Does movie it anybody have oh, an ahead, issue Tom. with the fact that the the first thing they said was she's a boy and and not she's a murderer <laughs> are you asking 1983 me or 2021 me cuz 1983 you won't have an answer 90, 1983 you would have been like wow it's real dark in this nutsack <laughs> i mean 2021 like might also be say the same thing i don't know 1983 and 2021 me starts off by saying that's the worst spliced grown man's body i've ever seen on a child's on a child's head yeah so- 1983 me would have been like that chick's balls are weird <laughs> <laughs> sir i think you have lumps so a, a little bit of like just the reason it did look so jarring 
is because okay, this is what I read that the director wanted to have the Angela actress with a strap on, but smartly the mom was like, no, fuck. No, I'm not doing that to my daughter. So what they did was they got this. I, I think it was some, the way it was written in the thing I read was they got some college frat guy drunk and it was either a mask or Angela's face was superimposed over his body for that final shot, which was very jarring just because it looked so strange and out of place. And you have this big, like broad shoulder hulking, like guy body with Angela's face on it. And this whole movie, that wasn't what her body looked like. So I think the big thing for us to discuss on this is, um, you know, like cats out of the bag. All right. Wow. She, she, she's a boy the whole time. Like, um, but, but that, negative connotation that goes along with that which is like are are we painting the picture that like trans people are evil like what what are we trying to do with this ending shock value because i can tell you honestly my first reaction when i saw this last year was okay like that that was all i all i had to say because the movie just ends after that so it's just like wow I mean, I, I guess that's that was a creepy face that she did. Like, kudos to the actress. But, like, what am I to take away from that ending? What what are we supposed to, like, pull away from that? Because that's the only message I can take is that we're trying to depict, like, people who are in LGBTQ community are, like, evil. and Like, like I, I don't I don't know what the message is here. Like, that that's the only message I can take out. It's such a different environment than what it was. And you're right. It uh, is. Yeah, it definitely is. Because like anything taboo, like literally they could do anything taboo and they could make it anything they want. Right. And like someone would get shock value out of it. But that's really all it is, is just shock value. And like, I feel like anyone with half a brain could have de- could have depicted exactly what this movie was leading toward from the beginning of the movie. Right, because they they did like the the three cup thing with the ball in one of the cups, and they're like, which one of which one of these kids got murdered? Tune in to the end of the movie to find out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it it certainly doesn't take away the fact that it was kind of a homophobic and transphobic sort of sort of spin on it, and and more so than that. Is it weird? And frankly, I really like knowing the trivia that it was some like weird drunk frat guy. Is that true? Who said that? Yeah, that was what they did for that, the end scene at least. I I find more comfort in that actually because I is it is it weird that I was questioning why they would pick someone with a like a, like a really small dick like is it is it me I don't know like does it make it more unsettling I'm not sure anymore. Would you Maybe rather have seen just a big dick? Yeah, that would you? It's the same. It's this. Hey man, if anyone has seen the the Redneck Comedy Tour, Ron White very clearly addresses <laughs> this. Everyone's a little gay. No one wants to see a small, flaccid penis. In a porn. everyone wants to see hard, big old. Co- <laughs> yep, I got cut off there. It's so weird. 
yeah that was weird <laughs> um yeah i don't know man i i think i i agree with dan uh in that sense of like what as i kind of joked around with like what was the point of them honestly calling it out like it's just it uh, like you could have just been like oh it was her the whole time or uh, like whatever you wanted to do like oh that's the murderer because that's that's your whole reveal not that like not to focus on the fact that she's not female or not anatomically female or whatever the 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 direction that they i don't know man it was such a weird or even that it was her that was the killer like that's the surprise here it's why wasn't the focal point like oh my god it was angela the whole time like i don't care that she was a like it just doesn't matter like even 1983 me would have been like who cares the only thing the only thing that like yeah, I don't know, because that's that is the thing is like I was going to somehow defend. No, I wasn't really going to defend it, but I was going to go down the, the hole of like they were trying to formulate the the crazy mother as the crazy problem. Right. Because the was, aunt. Yeah, the aunt. Sorry, because the the aunt. Did, well, they lead you to believe it's the mother. Yeah, the, the woman, whoever the, the crazy, like over the top woman was at the earlier part of this had like she it seemed like she had done something to the child and other than just like i wish i had a girl right is that is that correct yes yeah i don't don't think it was like implied that she abused angela no 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 just i i think this really sort of speaks to mental illness and what's funny is like honestly if we're if we're going to be real woke about this like you can it's crazy how evident like mental illness was thought of like synonymously with like LGBTQ, right? Because because like the aunt has such a prominent role in like the why Angela or Peter is so fucked up. And like, that's yes. why the big reveal is so taboo and fucked up to the audience is because like, oh, she's a boy. That's fucking weird. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know re- that. Oh, go ahead. I was like, no, there's been. Go ahead. I'll wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Stop. Uh, oh, no, stop. you no. go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> Chris, Chris, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> I'm going to go Scusi. ahead. This is not my argument. I'm going to preface it by saying that. But the ending is problematic by saying the Angela character, they're really a boy. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And this person, Angela, killed everybody. It's more trying to set like the crazy trans person, madness, killed everybody. But the argument against that, and again, this is not my argument. It's an article I read that the Angela character was forced into the female role by the aunt when they weren't born that way. They didn't choose that. The aunt forced that role on them because they already had a son and they were like, and that person was mentally ill. The aunt was mentally ill and she didn't want two sons. And she even says, oh, that can't work having two sons. I already have a son. So you're going to be Angela. This is something she says directly to the Angela character. So being forced into that role when that's not what you want and it's what's forced upon you into a different gender role is what really broke the Angela character, regardless of the fact that they witnessed the death of their sibling and their father. They witnessed their father in a 
homosexual relationship with another man. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying to be exposed to that as a child is wrong. So there's two, two aspects of the way you could look at the reveal of being forced into a gender that you don't believe and you don't align with can drive you crazy. And that's why they kill people is the most positive, hopeful way to look at it. And the other way, the most obvious way is trans madness killed everybody, which is an awful way to do it. And it was almost 40 years ago. So that's more likely and the easier way to lean into it, that that was the reading the way you were supposed to, that there was intention of it. But the hopeful way is the other way that, yeah. But even if we take it from like the perspective that the ant is like the evil focal point of this movie, like that's still kind of messed up even in itself because like Jarvis was going to say, and like we're really having a discussion about like um, mental illness. Like, I mean, the, the, aunt, the ant clearly needed like, like help. Like she needed therapeutic help. She, there, there was something wrong there uh, with like trauma or something. And like, now we're villainizing her. Like, I, I don't know. That just doesn't feel like these, these things that the movie sets out to do just don't sit right with me for like, I, I don't even want to say for some reason, like for obvious reasons, like they just yeah. don't sit right with me. It's difficult to get behind any of the characters because like they're f- so fundamentally flawed, right? The the heroes, the villains, uh, the in-between. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult movie to like root for oh. with that. Let's go ahead and move us over to the cinema corner. Yeah. We just need music Um, for everything. I know. Uh, But I I think it doesn't sit right after that uh, actual good conversation that we had. Um, So either way. uh, Yeah, I think Jarvis, you mentioned it. It it was for the budget that they, which was still pretty solid, almost a mil Um, for the budget they had. I think they shot it really well. And for the 80s, it held up fairly strong and and obviously the cinematography slash special effects is, is where i want to be at here because special effects were outrageous they were really good all of it held up fairly well i don't think there's any super duper weird spots i don't know what you guys think i really like the uh the boiling water like killing yeah. the chef that was the, probably the best like special effects you see his face all peeled and steamy and yeah it was good the only issue I had with that was that it it just went on for like I think six minutes. It felt well, everything went on too long. You have <laughs> you had just, you just watched nine innings of a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the movie thankfully was uh, I mean and I won't say thankfully it it wasn't the worst thing we've seen, but I, I will say that the movie was thankfully only an hour and twenty minutes, right? Like I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I'm thankful. I'll bring it up at Thanksgiving. I'm thankful. <laughs> um so yeah I, I think they they did a fantastic job with the special effects i think they shot everything pretty well they did it at a good time of year there was a lot of good stuff going on uh, i i don't know it it really it brought in this idea of a camp which i didn't really go to many summer camps but i felt like i was at a summer camp um i think 
don't think there's much else to say with that. Sound, whatever. It existed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely sound at points. There was sound. I heard people they talk. They said things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing Nothing stood out. It, it worked. The, the, the music wasn't too you know uh high-pitched violins or and it, it was it did all right but yeah uh, i think quickly going over that if you guys are cool with it i would love to hear what dan spoopy meter is very simple very very nice and elegant here uh typically camps can last between you know i never had a camp that lasted nine to twelve weeks but i'm seeing like nine to twelve weeks for camps has anyone it's ever like- been to camp that long that's like the entire summer. That's the whole summer. It's literally a summer. It's thing. a big it's one camp. <laughs> yeah. it was like a week. I, I went for like a week. Oh uh, yeah, I went for a week too. Okay, so let's do zero to seven days. How many how many uh how many how many days of camp would you guys want to stay at? I think the longer you go to like a sleepaway camp is like the less your parents love you. I was gonna say, guys, remind me to just like ship my children off to summer camp every summer. Did you have a fun last day of school? Pack your bag. You're going to summer camp for nine <laughs> weeks. Oh, that's out lovely to hear. I'm very happy for you. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny you do that voice because, like, especially like in New York, like, Jewish sleepaway camps are like very prominent, where they send their kids away for the entire summer. Oh, weird. Are there mezuzas on the door? <laughs> it's always a mezuzah, dude. I love the mezuzah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I, zero to seven. No, that's what you Yeah, got. zero to seven. Uh, let's see. Spoop meter. Uh, none days. Uh, it did not get me at all. I don't think I was. Um, I was fine. I, I did. I don't even know if I, the only thing I felt uncomfortable with was the, the weird sexual predatorness of some of the characters. But beyond that, I'm not, I'm not really feeling any sort of scary. So zero, uh, for what I liked about it, did it hold up special effects held up? Is it a classic? I suppose so. It's not a classic in that it defines genres, but I guess it does. I could see why people would see it as that culty for sure. Um, weird ending, Lots of social commentary that didn't get taken into account when this was being done, I guess, um, until now. So three days. And then I'm going to go home and or I, I want to call my mom because I want to go home because it's been three days. I'm, I'm scared. Uh, yeah, for spoof wise, I'd give it like a one. Just for that final scene with Angela is uh, just that that face and that, that screeching sound like that was unsettling with the creepy pedo. I would probably bump it up to at least a two, but I'll, I'll stick with like one, one and a half. Like just that very end just was very uncomfortable. Just the, the face and the, the squeal. But overall, I, I didn't love the movie. Um I mean, yeah, the effects held up very well for 1983. And I thought all that was great. I thought the kills were great. But just with how some of these characters acted, and it was just, I just didn't enjoy that. Didn't really care for the story all that much. Uh, so I would, I'll, I'll spend two days and call my mommy and say, please take me home. I hate it here. I'm right up with Chris on this spoop meter. 
uh, it gets a, a overnight for the reveal at the end, just the creepiness of like the animal noises and covered in blood and just the open mouth face. And the next day for just the open creepiness of the staff. So spooky meter at two out of seven overall, is it a great movie? Not really. It doesn't really hold up as a movie, but it's an eighties cheesy slasher movie. Uh, like a hundred other ones. I think the only, one of the only reasons this got the cult status it has is because of the reveal at the end, because otherwise it most likely would have fell into obscurity like any other camp slasher movie. Uh, it does do some things. The kills were creative. The uh, boiling water one was cool. And just, uh, yeah, I'd give it three out of seven. Uh, if you don't, if you know the twist, you don't need to see the movie, but if you've never, you just should definitely watch it for the twist if you've never seen it. Yeah, so I'll try to put myself uh, in the driver's seat of seeing this movie in 1983. And, you know, it, it'll make you uncomfortable uh, because, like, the, the subjects, the underlying subjects are interesting in 1983. Um, uh, I think Kyle hit it on the head with the social commentary aspect, right? It, it was saying something, but it but it wasn't very defined, whatever it was saying. Um, it's clearly taboo, right? Between the the gender confusion and the, the homosexual uh, relationship between the dad. Uh, it, it's just, these, these are things that were such uncomfortable topics in that time. Uh, and, and now that, you know, those things have kind of worked themselves out, right? So, uh, what, what hasn't worked itself out is like the rapey nature of some of the characters that were written into the film. Um, in terms of spoopy, I, I would put them at the top. But spoopy overall, uh, I'll, I'll give it a one out of seven. Like, I, I think some of it's fun. I think the Angela scene at the end is definitely iconic. Um, I think you can see the twist, quote unquote. I think you can see the um, the twist at the end uh, about 100 yards away. Like, it, it, it's, it's not that amazing. Maybe back in the day it was, but certainly now, not so much, um, especially if you're paying attention in the beginning. Um, Overall, I, I think taking into the, you know, the social aspect of then versus now, uh, I definitely do agree that uh, this film deserved its cult status uh, for back then. But now, uh, honestly, it's not that interesting. So, yeah, one out of seven for Spoopy, one and a half overall. Just not just not a very interesting or fun movie to watch in, uh, nowadays. And yeah, I, um, you know, the movie doesn't, I already kind of talked about it a lot throughout this. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it, it was, it's a all right movie, but it's, um, dated and confusing with its ending and too angry. It's way too angry. Spoopy zero, not scary. Um, I don't know, like two, three, two or three. 
I'd say three. I'll give it a three just because it, it is kind of iconic. And outside of the ending, I thought slasher wise, I thought it was a pretty solid slasher movie. I thought it was better than Friday the 13th, to be honest, in terms of slasher. So I, I'll give it like a three. I think it's worth watching just for a slasher and then turn it off before the ending because the ending is really stupid. Unless you haven't seen it, then watch it. And just forget about it because it was kind of stupid. Then you forget about <laughs> it. Ah, forget yeah. about it. Bada bing, bada boom. It. We're going to the adult camp. Everybody bring your dildos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I agree with that. 100% bring your dildos, everybody. Um, Which reminds me of TugCon. Uh, this year, we're giving <laughs> yeah. out complimentary dildos. Are we? That's a big expense. Um, may, well, we only have maybe one person. We have we have a, a one maybe, and 700 okay. people have viewed it. So things are looking good. <laughs> I feel right. like if we give out dildos, we're kind of ruining the spirit of TugCon. <laughs> this is about tugboat captains. <laughs> the, the general, <laughs> have some respect. The general heart of TugCon cannot be sullied. By giving away dildos. You want to bet? <laughs> I feel like we would we could ruin it real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, we could very fast. Um, yeah. So I do want to say thank you for listening. I also want to thank um, Connor McLeod and uh, Andrew Cavanaugh. You can find their info. They do stuff. You've heard it a thousand times. Um, and Travis, thank you, Travis, for clearing up all these burps. Um, and I guess, Chris, uh, what do you have to say to all the campgoers? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. Oh, sorry. Fuck. Hold on. <laughs> Fuck you, Travis. Oh, God. That had to come out. <clears throat> Fuck you, Travis. God damn it.